Hello, and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host. And we have Grant Cameron on this evening. Grant was, uh, he was on early in the shows. Oh, I think, uh, you know, the show has been going 11 years now. And I think he was one of the first, I don't know, four or five people to be on my show. And uh, he's always very interesting. I was fascinated at the subject he was involved in at the time. And that was the connection between U.S. presidents and UFOs, which I think is only kind of grown over the last uh, several years. Uh, you know, presidents, uh, it, you know, there seems to be a lot of unanswered questions. And there's people like uh, my friend Ben uh, out in uh, Ben Hansen out in uh, California that did body language studies of uh, Obama. And I'm trying to think who else it was that he did uh, looked at their body language when they were talking about what they knew about, you know, extraterrestrials or aliens or UFOs, things like that. Very fascinating. Anyway, so Grant Cameron is coming up. Uh, the blog this week by Charles Lear is UFO abduction claims at the end of the 1970s. Of course, Travis Walton's um, incident is in there and uh, several others. Uh, very interesting blog. Check it out over at podcastufo.com. And you can help support the show also over there. Uh, we have a Patreon page and uh, any support would be helpful. Um, you know, it's uh, the expenses of the show do add up. I don't like to talk about them, but they do add up. I just uh, went over just the graphics alone or about uh, 4000 a year. So any help that you can give would be appreciated. And I am ready to bring um, the guest in. Grant, welcome back, I should say. It's been a long time, Grant. Yeah, welcome. Thank you for having me on, Martin. I appreciate your interest in uh, your long-running show. It's uh, one of the one of the ones that has survived. That's right. That's right. And uh, like I was saying, I think you were on right in the very early part of it. Yeah, like, you must uh, have a million listeners by now. <laughs> I don't know. They come and go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the uh, you were doing that work on the presidents. I thought yep. that was fascinating. And, you know, before we get into we're going to talk about the report that just came out. Before we get into that, um, did you ever see any of those like the body language things that Ben Hansen yeah. did? Yeah, uh, I was actually working with him at the time. He did Clinton, he did Obama, oh, that's right. yep. and then he also did Clinton when uh, Obama when he did um, the little six-year-old girl. If you ever saw that episode yes. on on the Ellen yeah. Show, and that's yeah. the one where I didn't pick it up, where he picked up the fact that Obama was reading off a teleprompter, and when huh. he actually showed it to me, he showed me the actual cue card that they were using for her because she, of course, at six years old, she really couldn't read, and they had like little pictures to show her what to say. And Obama, he was clear, he was reading off a teleprompter. So that whole thing was planned. It was, it was kind of oh. kind of interesting to be there. And so every time something would happen, I'd say to Ben, okay, analyze this one. What do you think of this one? So it was, oh. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty interesting. Wow, wow. Yeah. Um, and then, but you, what was the name of the book you did on that particular subject? Was it the White House and UFOs or something like that? Uh, white, uh, it was called... Um, um, I'm not even sure. Was the sort of the, the book where I talked about the fact that I believe that they were sort of leaking this stuff. Uh, UFOs, uh, it used to be called UFOs, Area 51 and, and uh, Government Informants, but it's it's in that sort of category. There's two, a reprint of it where we took some stuff out and added some stuff. But basically, it's all sort of held up this idea that um, there's been behind the scenes uh disclosure and now we actually know 
for a fact that if, uh, according to Jim Semivan, that he actually went to the higher level, the highest levels of the three letter agencies and said, you guys can't get this out. We're going to drop it. We're not going to release any classified material, but we're dropping this thing. And uh, so he's pretty clear that that, that that whole initiative with Tom DeLong was all partly planned. And and uh, and I remember talking to Chris Bledsoe. That was long before Tom DeLong came public. And he said, um, the, the, the big man in Washington, and that was that was Jim Semivan, and he was telling me, "Oh, they're going to—they're going public with this thing. Um, They've—they—they're the high number of high-level officials are going to uh, come forward and they're going to say UFOs exist, and they're going to force disclosure. And that was in about 2015, 2016, and that's exactly what happened. You had Elizondo, you had Mellon, you had Justice, you had." Uh, uh, you know, all these different people, Jim Semivan come forward and they said UFOs exist and they actually did force it out in terms of the New York Times article and nothing's ever been the same since that New York Times article. That's right. Yeah. It's been, uh, there's the people that are getting involved in looking at this is unprecedented. Yeah. You know, scientists and, you know, people that would never dare to think about it uh, before. So the stigma is, is, that's a one, you know, we may not get information, but that's one good thing that came out of it all so yeah. far. And I, I think there's probably a lot of people in the background. That's one of the reasons I, I wrote an article called the 64 reasons they decided not to tell you the truth. And and one of the reasons that I had is that the people that you'd call the invisible college or whoever you want, they're sitting in the background and they're all trying to get a patent that they're not going to release anything until they, because I've seen some of the money that's involved. What One particular invention that was, uh, Tyler D from American Cosmic. I knew him. I had contacts with him, and um, the the money that he made from that one invention that he got was just astronomical. And I was talking to him about uh, that 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 download because I had done a whole book called Inspired: The Paranormal World of Creativity. And of course, I was interested in his download experience, how he got because I knew that he got the idea in the morning when he woke up that idea was in his head that they put on the space shuttle. And um, uh, he said to me, Grant, he says. I can tell you what he says. The last thing I remember the night before the night the night before I woke up was a hooded figure standing at the end of the bed, and I said, "Really? Could you see its face?" And he said, "No, I couldn't see its face." And that's exactly what Jim Semivan has now described: the hooded figure coming through the through the bedroom. So you have these high level guys, and I think that's part of part of the disclosure effort is that most of these people, Jacques Ballet, uh, Eric Davis, uh, helped put off Sun for sure. Uh, all these people, uh, Jim Semivan, they're all experiencers. And so they're digging and they're scratching just like you and I trying to figure out what's going on. And uh, they're working a level higher than we are trying to get stuff from the people above them. Uh, but a lot of it I think has to do with patents because whoever controls this militarily will run the world, but whoever gets uh, some of this technology that's involved and gets it patented is going to be worth a lot of money in the millions and millions of dollars. Or I would say the billions. Yeah. You know, if they could, they could patent some of the, what the craft has been known to do. And we can't even, you know, with some of the G forces, we, we don't even have any missiles or rockets or anything that would hold together with the G forces, never mind a, a, a being inside of them, you know, Said, but that's when I, I get into the whole issue I've been discussing lately is what are we really dealing with here? Are we actually dealing with nuts and bolts? Because if you take a look at, I, I have this thing called the theory of wow, where a lot of the stuff they do, they just do just to make us go wow and make us try to figure out what's going on and and drag us down the rabbit hole. And the one was the the whole Nimitz encounter 
where they drop from 80,000 feet down to sea level in seven eighths yeah. of a second. And I mean, and I say, like, what is that? A pre-abduction maneuver or like what? That's they're showing up. That's all they're doing. It's like, watch this. And because that's exactly what happened. It got me involved in the field is this thing jumped from the ground to 5,000 feet in the air in three frames of film. So one eighth of a second. And it was caught on film. So that, that's the, the whole idea is you start to wonder, is this really nuts and bolts or is this uh, a little bit beyond almost like para material? And you, see, you can see a lot of scientists are now getting into this thing of consciousness that uh, consciousness may be primary and consciousness makes matter and they can, they can control all this kind of stuff. And it's not quite as physical as we might think it is. That, that's where I'm going. And I, I know Ray Hernandez has moved in that direction. And if you look at Joe Burks has moved in that direction and Chris Bledsoe has moved in that direction and more and more people you see are sort of uh, starting to say that this is going to be, as I say, it's going to be a thousand times more complex than people think it is. People just think we've got one piece to go. And the more I look at it after almost 50 years, the more you look at it, the more pieces seem to be missing that there's just so much material and it's so complex as to what's going on here. I, I do believe you're right as far as it being complex and probably something we may not even be able to understand. I mean, that is a very big possibility. But the one thing about the consciousness thing that, yeah. that doesn't seem to make sense to me is uh, what about mass sightings? You know, when there's uh, and how can these things be seen on you know, with multiple detection, radar, video, et cetera, et cetera, when it comes to a consciousness connection. Okay, well, again, it comes down to the whole idea of what what Einstein said, I'd like to know the moon is behind me when I'm not looking. This idea that it's a collective um, um, situation, that's where it really gets complex in the in terms of the consciousness. But the things that you see that, that um, that that show you that there's simply no way that this is 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 what we think it is. Is I just wrote this book called the Alien, uh, UFO Sky Palace, where I look at 36 people who all make this bizarre claim that they flew the craft, and uh, this these none of this was on the internet before, so it's not like they were reading anybody else's story. I'm the only one that had the stories, and they would describe cases that Hal Putoff said. Hal Putoff said, for example, he said, "I'd like to know." How can the craft be bigger on the inside than it is on the outside? And Len Stringfield actually had a 1974 report that was in one of his things where he talked about a guy being flown in from Hawaii to film the, the panels inside the craft. And he said the craft was about 30 feet across. It was being it was being hanging from a net netting on a crane and in, in, inside a netting on a, from a crane. And he went inside and he said you could have taken a football and thrown it in every direction. Uh, and not hit a wall. It was that big. Or Terry Lovelace said it was the size of a football stadium inside. Chris Bledsoe, most of them will say this, that they can make it as big as they want on, on the inside of the craft. And that's what Hell put off said. I mean, I'd like to know how it can be bigger on the inside. And you see even on the ground, this this photographer, this is a 1974 case. This is not something that somebody has made up since I put the book out uh, that says the craft is bigger on the inside than it is outside. And that the beings say they can make it as big as they want. And the woman that originally told me this first story about flying the craft said they have crafts that are as big as solar systems, that they can make it as big as they want. They can control it. And when you see that kind of stuff, then you start to go like, hey, something, something's wrong here. Something doesn't make sense. Or, you know, the, the idea where people are inside the craft and, um, you know, they, 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 they will claim that they are told 
that you have to imagine where you want to go. You put your hand on a panel, you put your hand on a ball, you become one with the craft, the craft is alive, whatever you think is what the craft does. And then the beings will say, it is within you. Go within yourself. That's where it is. Go within yourself. And and the one guy described, he's a Mormon guy out of uh, uh, so, uh, the Salt Lake City area. He said, I wanted to go and I wanted to see the Milky Way from a distance. He said, in one second, he imagined this in his mind. He said, in one second, he looked out the window of the craft and there was a Milky Way in a distance. And I say, if that story is true and he, they, they actually, uh, this distance thing took place, then there's something seriously wrong with our ideas of time and space. And and the more that's why I say, the more you look at it, the more complex it gets and who's the observer because people say well there can't be an observer but we already know that matter does not come into reality until there's an observer until the quantum wave is broken down until there's a measurement and the measurement is done by a consciousness and so we know that Matt, max planck who started quantum physics said consciousness is primary there's no getting behind consciousness and that's something that i think almost all the early quantum physics guys whether it was uh, Schrodinger or uh, these guys, uh, Bohr and all these people, they all believed consciousness was primary, that consciousness creates matter. And that's the whole, the whole deal is we, we've bought into this material world and we think that, that that material world creates consciousness, that when it gets complex enough, then suddenly, you know, the, the, uh, the, the consciousness jumps out and says, here I am. And then that's definitely what I'm, I'm looking at is, is definitely not what's happening that, that you have, um, uh, this, this, the idea that even an out-of-body experience, and I don't know if you've interviewed people with out-of-body experiences, but so you go out of your body, you're floating above your body and you look back at your body and we think that the brain has consciousness, but you look back at your body and you say, is the brain kind of causing consciousness? No, I'm the consciousness. I'm here. I'm floating up above my body, which means your brain and your 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 body is inside your consciousness. Then that that person can look outside the window and they can see the the stars and the planet. Well, that seem to indicate that the the stars and the planets are inside the consciousness as, as well. Almost like Deepak Chopra says, everything is an activity inside consciousness. The more you look at it, the more that's appears what it be. And especially when you get the being say to the people, it is within you until you imagine it inside your mind, you can it will not work. And they and people will say instantaneously, they are they can go wherever they want on the other side of the universe, whatever. And that's the kind of stuff that and these are people. Uh, you know, retired Air Force, Air Force Colonel, uh, you know, 747 uh, uh, pilot, all these different people that they're all basically tell the same story. It's almost like they're reading off a cue card where, you know, the, the consciousness is, is, is the way they, they basically say it. that's how you move the craft around is with consciousness and that the craft is alive. And this oneness principle that links, that locks us into the earth, that we cannot leave the planet, not because there's a big bubble around us, but because this whole idea of oneness, the fact that everything is, is connected uh, is how we get off the planet. And we just don't believe it. We believe everything's separate. We believe there's, there's separate objects and there's an, there's an observable world outside ourselves. And and yet when you when you start looking at what these people are saying, that that's not what you that's not what they're they're describing. They're describing this this world where everything is 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 connected, everything is one, everything is alive, and th that once you understand that idea, then you can move around almost like Jan Hartson. If you remember, Jan Hartson is talking to Ben Rich at Lockheed Skunk Works, and Ben says we've now discovered the mistake in the equation. We've got the technology to take ET home. And Jan Hartson, of course, he has an experience as a young kid, so he goes running up and he says, "I want to be a, an engineer. I want to build a flying saucer. How did it get here? How did it get here, Ben?" And Ben turns around and says, "What do you know about ESP?" 
And he said, it means everything in time and space is connected. Ben Rich said, that's how it works. Walks out of the building, gets in his car and drives off. So that's what, what you get is this idea. Even Eric Walker, who we, we dealt with back in the 1990s, that's what he asked us at one point. What do you know about ESP? Unless you understand about ESP and how it works, you will not be taken in by the control system. Very few people understand how it works. Or Tom DeLong talking to the head scientist at Lockheed Skunk Works inside the skiff. And he, he, the guy says, how does it get here? How, do they, how does it work? And he was hanging around with Greer at the time. So he says, oh, I think consciousness is involved. And then the head scientist said, now you're talking. And Tom DeLong said, that's all the guy wanted to talk about for 45 minutes was consciousness. This is the, the critical thing that I think is, is sort of changing in terms of people starting to wonder, like, why are all you have, why are all alien sightings? Like people say, oh, the grays are all the same. I did a PowerPoint one time where I took all the grays I could find, like Betty Andreasen's gray and Whitley Strieber's gray and, and uh, the, the Hills and Nancy Tremaine. And I put all these grays one after another, all these drawings, and there was no two the same. And we always make these assumptions. Oh, it's all the same. And, and or my friend has a sighting. Uh, you asked about people having common sightings. My friend here is a big business guy in Winnipeg. He's, he's a very, very well-off guy. And he had two sightings. And the second one he had, he lives right on the on the river. And he said he, uh, he sees this thing flying by and he gets his wife. She says, come on, come on, come on. And they have another level of uh, two. They have two uh, patios. She goes on the bottom, bottom patio and she looks out and she says, yeah, okay. And so they see this UFO. And then years later, he's telling the story at a, at a cocktail party or something. And he said, someone says, well, what is that thing like? And he said, Oh, it was like it was like it was on fire and it was rolling and 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 it was going down the river. And his wife said, "It was not." And he said, "Yeah, it was. It was like a fire. It was like it was like like burning oil." And she said, "It was not. It was a flying saucer. It was a metal flying saucer." And he said, "It was." <laughs> so here again, you got two people who had to have viewed this thing for a couple of minutes and had totally different views of, of what they had seen. I've, that's not uncommon. I've heard that before. And that's where saying, it gets so complex. You start wondering, yeah. why is it? Even the, the sightings, if you take a look at, uh, like I show before 1961, there's uh, somebody put out, I can't remember who put it out, uh, whether it was Mifon or whether it was Schusler or somebody put out all the sightings of, of alien uh, encounters before Betty and Barney Hill. And that's when the greys appeared. Mm. And what you see is there, there's no two the same. Absolutely. There's no two the same. And what you get in the 1940s and 50s is these descriptions of aliens with bubble helmets and, and hoses going down to a tank on their back. And this is mm. straight out of, out of uh, science fiction cartoons and stuff yeah. from the 1940s and 50s. And you can see it, it, we're being influenced by by what we're, you know, what, what, what's in our mind, almost like the 1890s, the ships were wooden, were wooden ships with propellers on them. And they said they were from Mars. And now they, and then they, then they changed it and they said, oh, we're not from Mars, we're from Zeta Reticuli. And then everybody started learning about multi dimensions. And now they say, oh, we're from the fifth dimension, we're from the 10th dimension. And it just, it just keeps changing as they go along. And, and that's, that's where I say the more I look at it, the more complex it gets. And the more it just, it doesn't make sense that it's some, objective thing that that is there and that we can measure and stuff and that's what you if you look at even a jim semivan who's gotten the ufo briefing uh, and i don't know what level he got it at but that's what he said not not only can we not connect the dots i'm not even sure there's dots <laughs> he said mm. i don't think there's any there there and when you hear a high level guy like that talk you start to realize that that at the highest levels, they may not understand that. And that may be what the cover-up's all about. That's maybe what this, this we were going to talk about this uh, this report. 
And what I see this report is about is they're fighting back now, the guys on the inside, and they're starting to change the words in this final report where they're, they're taking out the alien words and they, you know, the extraterrestrial words and all this kind of stuff. And they're putting even in th words aerial. that can, that, yeah, that can change aerial to anomaly. Yeah, so they're they're doing it so they can they can. It's almost like people don't realize the U the term UFO was established by the U.S. Air Force in 1952 because they used to be called flying saucers and flying discs, and the Air Force didn't want them called flying saucers and flying discs, so they called it UFOs because then it can be anything you want. And they're doing the same thing; they're backing away from it. But what I think they're they're indirectly doing is the black world is so uh, stovepiped, it's so compartmentalized that they could not figure this thing out. If you listen to Eric Walker or Eric Davis, Eric Davis said they took it off the shelf in 1989. They take it off the shelf every seven or eight years. They just can't figure this out. The core yeah. story is they can't figure this out. And it's because it's got this consciousness interface thing to it. And, mm -hmm. and so they're not really getting anywhere. And uh, you, so you, you have this, this situation where uh, they're, they're struggling. And then the black ops people uh, may have given some approval to do this because what they're doing is they're allowing the white world to get involved. See, then you get you get Harvard involved and you get all these people and they start talking and they start putting out stuff. And now you can grab this material and it's all going to go black and it's all going to go black back into the black ops world. And it's not coming out. So people will say, oh, we got this thing for, you know, you can uh, get immunity and stuff like that. But it's never going to come out. There is no way that the the uh, uh, sensitive compartmentalized information pr program is going, they're going to say, this is what we know about UFOs. And this is where we're testing them. There's, you're not going to tell the Russians, you're not going to tell the Chinese, it's going to be, it's going to be classified. So yeah, you got, you got immunity, but you've got immunity to talk to the Congress. you got immunity to talk to the Pentagon who's trying to gather this stuff all together, but it doesn't mean you can go into the public. I say, what's going to go into the public and exactly what you've seen in the last report absolutely nothing in fact we are farther behind than we were in 1969 when they shut blue book down because when they shut down blue book you had the ufo sightings and you had the shapes now you say what's the shape somebody asked what's the shape of these objects and said can't tell you it's classified we don't even have the shapes we don't have any reports we don't have anything all we got is a number so they keep giving you a number and it's 360 or whatever this time next time it'll be 570 and everybody gets excited oh there's more 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 but what have you learned you've learned absolutely nothing they're just playing this game where they're, they're everything and as soon as somebody gets something in the white world where it's it's they understand that this is going to be usable they're just going to walk in with a national security order and say this is now national security quit talking about it and they're going to grab it and take it into the black world there's no way the black world is going to release this stuff as long as they don't have it figured out even the wilson leak document which i was part partly responsible for leaking at the end of the wilson leak document it says we have a craft and we think it'll fly and as soon as i saw that i went I know what's going on. They've got a craft, an intact craft that they were given, and they cannot turn it on because you need, as the people who fly the craft, you have to put your hand on a panel. You have to have the consciousness interface, the same as putting your thumbprint on a cell phone. You, they can't turn the craft on because it's got this consciousness interface, and they can't, they can't figure this thing out. Wow, interesting. Well, I, I sort of, I, well, I, I basically agree with you when it comes to uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if we're going to know anything about it. I, I, I've said, you know, many times in the show that I don't know if I'll ever know in my lifetime, you know, because uh, because I don't think anyone really does know exactly what's going on. That's what the way I've always felt. And why would they say, you know, why would they keep saying they don't know what's going on in our skies? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's well, the, the, we the are learning some point. stuff. I, I'm I was just on a show I, earlier and. 
was asked, you know, why did it come out? What? Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I no, I, I just, um, I think we're learning stuff. I'm actually more encouraged by what I've learned in the last little while. Once we got started going down the consciousness route and we started comparing all this stuff. For example, inside the craft, people will say. Um, they, they get in, they, you get all these sort of spiritual components that seem to link into other things. So the person's on the craft and they'll say, as soon as I put my hand on the panel, I can suddenly see in 360 degrees, which is another thing. If you're going to make up a story, that's not something you want to put in your story. That, that People are not going to believe you. And so why would you put that in there? But that's the same thing that people in out-of-body experiences and near-death experiences describe. Oh, I could see everything in, I could, I could see 360 degrees. Or the person will say, there, there is, um, I, I was taken to the spirit world. World. Chris Bledsoe told me, no, it was, no, it was the guy from Utah told me. He said, I was taken to the spirit world three times. And the third time I was with my dead mother. I was actually with her. I was walking around with her. I could see her or whatever. And they took me to this building. It looked like a, he was a very Mormon guy. He said it looked like a, a temple in Nephi, Utah. And my mother said, when you die, Ron, you're going to have a, a, a room in this building. And he could see the building sort of open up. He could see his father in the building and stuff like this. And he said, I went into the building, he said, and it was like a hundred times bigger, 10 to a hundred times bigger on the inside than it was outside. And I said, hey, that's exactly what Chris Butso said. That's exactly what the UFO people say when they get inside the craft. It's bigger. So what's what's the connection? You see this, this sort of bizarre crossover connection that they're describing the same thing. Or people in near-death experiences or, or UFO experiences will say, uh, there's, I think it was 40% of them at the free survey said at one point during their experience, they knew the answer to everything in the universe. And I've actually talked to these people because I said, you know, this is not something you really want to make up if you're going to make up a story that I knew everything in the universe. And I would say to them, how do you know there wasn't like number six, seven, eight on the far side of the universe they forgot to tell you about? And they will say exactly what any person who's had a download will say. They'll say, I'm not sure. I just know that I knew everything. And when you look at out of uh, near-death experience, it's 31% of people say at one point during their experience, they knew the answer to everything everything in the universe, which kind of indicates that everything is maybe in a field and it's the ability to access the field, almost like Tesla getting in the field, pulling the material and bring it back into the world. So you start to see these crossovers of, of things between near-death experiences or a lot of the people who describe the, the head of MUFON for for Japan, I don't know if you've ever interviewed him. I mean, he was a, a meditation expert in Washington State. Moved to Japan, uh, he's had 22 encounters, uh, 22 events in 2022. He said every single one of them was out of body experience. He said absolutely because he, he learned how to do it. And he would go and the craft. He's engaged with the with the Greys. He describes the same thing. The craft is as big as they want it to be. They just put their hand up, and a book comes out of the wall. He describes all this bizarre stuff. But you start to see this over and over again, and and you, there's all these crossovers with all. All these other things like out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences. And that's what Ray Hernandez was told when he had his experience. When Just when he started free, when he sort of went off the deep end and was only sleeping two hours a day, he was taken and he was shown this spinning wheel. And it had remote viewing and near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences and UFOs and stuff. And the being said, you've got to quit parsing this stuff. It's all the same thing. And that's what I've concluded as well, is if consciousness is primary, it's all consciousness that's coming out of this consciousness field and what they're doing is they're showing us this stuff to give us this indication and there's more and more people jumping on the bandwagon all the time that that realize that if consciousness is primary that's what i was told uh in one other download experience if the world is made out of little nuts and bolts then that's one world but if the world is made out of consciousness everything changes everything and that's true everything will change all the rules change hmm. wow um I don't know how much we touched on the report or 
that we have plenty we're talking about here that's uh, kind of woven in and out of it. But uh, so are you familiar with this question? Someone said, ask uh, why Jimmy Blanchett UFO discoveries are being ignored even by UFO groups. Are you familiar with that person? Yeah, I've done a number of interviews with him. He has oh, okay. uh, he's come up with a system uh, where he links everything together. Like you're familiar with the uni- with the universal constants, you know, the speed of light and all these things, and and the idea that we're in a, a Goldilocks uh, universe where uh, everything is exactly the way it should be, and if the one thing was off by one tenth of a percent or one millionth of a percent, the stars wouldn't form and all this kind of stuff. So you have all these constants that show that it's uh, everything's perfect. And Jimmy Blanchett has 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 come up with absolutely amazing stuff that that he was sort of given it's sort of a long story but it's basically linking everything together all the the constants all the the uh the, the various uh the speed of light the uh weight of the uh, the atom uh the volume of the universe all this kind of stuff and he's got it all to put together with very simple formulas that uh that uh, is just stunning when you see him just go through these formulas and he's basically claiming that he was given this stuff uh, based upon a sighting of a triangle, and he me- did all the measurements and stuff. Uh, fascinating work, but very complex. And I think a lot of people leave it because it's so mathematical that people just look at it and their heads start to spin and they just sort of walk away. It's it's uh, a lot of uh, you know connections between uh, the the pyramid and Rendlesham Forest. And when you see these numbers, he's like within a one nautical mile of this, and one nautical. It's just it's just like stunning. But but that people don't is because in the modern, you know, Internet world, people have an attention span of, I think they said, what, 17 seconds. I mean, uh. people, if you put out a two hour video, I mean, almost nobody except the hardcore people are going to um, to, to view it. And I, I was actually right. just looking at Jimmy yeah. Blanchett's because he wants to do a different tech technique. I actually contacted um, um, Brian Josephson, who won the Nobel Prize for uh, uh his his work in the physics in the 1990s with the Blashat stuff and uh, he said i don't have two hours to watch the video and then i sent him the short version and he he really didn't agree with it he, he didn't think it was it was plausible but that's the whole deal is that people just don't have the time to to view it and mm-hmm. therefore you get like uh, on his videos i put it up twice and we got five shares so basically all we're doing in the ufo community is we just keep talking to the choir and we talk to the choir we talk to the choir and then we get so upset like well how come the uh, the, the world doesn't want to they don't know what's going on here and this sort of stuff and it's because if you were to question anybody on the street of, of their top 100 issues ufos is not going to be in the top 100 issues we, yeah. we've sort of got everything out of perspective as to how it's an important issue but so is childhood cancer and just because you know that's an important issue doesn't mean everybody's going to drop you know taking their kids to soccer practice and put their job to do this it's it's a it's a world where if it's a complex theory nobody's going to pay attention to it everybody's looking at the cartoons and the and the very simple things where they can just click and go to the next one and the next one especially if you see someone on a bus it's just unreal i watch them and they're just going through the you can see they're going through their facebook feed and they're going out like a mile a minute nobody's paying any attention to anything anymore these days yeah i've seen that too here's a here's a here's a Another one here, Mary Grace always has great questions. Does the consciousness does the consciousness create the physical object that can be detected by our minds and tech as well? The the, the, the consciousness creates the physical object. Yeah, that's the whole quantum theory of the um, the the dual slit experiment. The idea that 
it's a, it's a it's a wave and then the minute you uh view it or measure it then it turns into a particle and that's the idea of the you know the copenhagen interpretation of you break down the quantum wave and the and the matter appears so there's no matter unless there's an observer so people will say well there's um there there, there wasn't an observer till four billion years ago till we came we came on the scene but i say yeah there was an observer because uh i even go as far as to say god did not create the heaven and the earth god created the sparks of the divine and we created the heavens and the earth because it's all made out of consciousness. So it's all we're we're developing all the the world, uh, and it's all made out of consciousness. We keep falling back into the illusion that there's this physical world, but if, if it's made out of consciousness, then we created the whole thing, and it just gets more and more complex, more information, uh, bigger, more grand, and stuff like this. And that's what it is. It's just a, a an information system that's that started very small and uh, is is moving out. So consciousness absolutely creates the physical world. There's that, that I think I don't think even people in quantum physics would would deny that. Well, where where does consciousness begin? With what type of level of intelligence? In other well, words, can a fly have consciousness? Well, well, if consciousness is the basis, then everything has got consciousness. That's the idea. If if you do the ayahuasca thing, if you see Sting, the the famous musician, when he does ayahuasca, he says, "I suddenly realized everything was alive, conscious, and one." But a lot of people who do psychedelics will say that they go, everything was alive, conscious and one. He looked at the little plant coming out of the crack and he said, oh, that's my brother. And that's the whole idea of the oneness principle that it's all made out of consciousness. It, it's so conscious. So the physical world, according to the vibration idea, would be that it's a low vibrating consciousness. So it's like the 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 Hindu thing. When when consciousness moves, the illusion begins. The Maya begins, and it's all it's all illusion. And a lot of uh, UFO channelers will say this is all illusion. It's all it's all like a, a simulated uh, universe and stuff like that. It and it's but the consciousness is thing. And so the basic thing, if I were to go all the way back, consciousness would be still, and and it would be unmoving. Once the consciousness starts to vibrate. That's when the when the illusion starts and, and it just gets more and more complex. So everything is a vibration. Everything is a, a frequency of vibration and it's a vibrating consciousness. But consciousness is primary and matter is just a low vibrating consciousness. So you can get uh, the people, whatever we're engaging is at a higher vibrating level. P experiences will describe this all the time. I could feel the vibration. They, they were vibrating. They, I couldn't take it. They were vibrating very, very intensely and, and it was affecting me. And so they're at a higher vibration. So they'll come into our field. They will take on a body that they need to be in our field. And then they'll go back where they came from. Almost like the, the thing that amazes me more than any other uh, sort of thing that's happened in the last number of years is Leslie Kane talking about it being at the physical seance. And when I interviewed her, I, all I had was one question. Leslie, did you actually see the hand, Leslie? Did that actually happen? And she said, yes, it happened more than once. And she said it was a real physical hand that materialized in front of me and I could feel the knuckles I could feel the, the the bones I could it was warmer than a normal hand it was soft like a child's hand and then it banged on the table and then it dematerialized and left that's Leslie Kane from the New York Times and she said I saw it on more than one occasion so that's what's happening so you could they come in they lower their vibration they become physical even if I don't know if you've interviewed Yossi Ronan from uh, Israel he was told quite clearly, he said, when we come into your world, 
we take on a physical body. We don't have to take on a physical body, but we do in order to communicate with you. You can do the same thing. You just don't know it. And that's why you get so many different uh, beings that are seen and different versions of beings is because we're part of what we're seeing. We think it's an, uh, an object out there and we don't realize that's where I, I put all these grays together. And when you start looking at them, they don't look the same. They all look different. Or you see these pre-1961 beings that are that are described and you start to realize that we're part of it. Or, or John Mack said, if you've seen that that interview, that is a, a thing that John Mack did at Boston College or something with, with Bud Hopkins. And he said, Bud, he says, it's very strange. He says, you know, I'm the psychiatrist here. You know, you think I'd be getting all the real bad ones. I'm getting all the spiritual seeking ones and you're getting all the bad ones. And maybe that has more to do with you and I. And this is the hmm. thing. We keep thinking that it's an independent thing outside of us. And we don't realize that we're part of the system that we're actually looking at. So how, how does this, how do things, when it comes to behavior, like for instance, you can't walk in front of a train, you know, um, life and death, uh, people killing each other, Russia, Ukrainian, Ukraine, you know, stuff like that. How does all this fit into the whole well, thing? If it's not, re if it's not, if we're like making things up, whatever it is. Well, we do. But it's not that we're making things up, we're creating things. So, uh, I mean, if you take, take a look at the life and death thing, we, we've bought into the, the uh, separation idea. So there's us and you, it's like a football game. So there's my team and then there's Martin Willis's team and Martin Willis's team is a bunch of dirty dogs and the referees always pulling for them and uh, we're all cheering and, and we pray to God before we go onto the field and what it comes down to is the, the team that wins is the team that wins the Super Bowl is the team where everybody's doing exactly what they're supposed to doing, where they're all working like a little beehive and they're all doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And the world, people get it all mixed up. They think it's like a world of good and bad and we're the good guys and there's the bad guys. We have to kill the bad guys and steal their stuff and do whatever. And the world doesn't care. The universe is absolutely neutral. It doesn't care. It's a world of, li of live and die, live and die, live and die, live and die. Death is part of the whole process. If you take a look, there's, there's a statement is made that there's 100% of everything dies every year. The human being is one of the few things that la lasts longer than a year. You have all the ants are dying after a couple of uh, weeks or whatever. You have massive amounts of stuff that's living, dying. And we say, well, it's, death is evil. So that means a spider because the spider spends his day uh, trapping stuff in, in, in his little uh, web and killing it and eating it. That's he's evil. No, it, life, it, life and death is, 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 is uh, part of the system. And, and I even say the only, the only thing that we get, we think that we understand is that when the ego cell dies, that's when we get concerned. So in our human body, there's 330 billion cells die on command every day. It's, 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 it, they're programmed to die 330 billion cells. And do we give uh, a compassion meditation for those cells that die? No, it's only when the ego cell dies, then it's like, Hey, call 911. We don't care about the cells that are dying. The animals that are dying. We kill 40 million cattle every year. We worry about cattle mutilations, 10,000 cattle mutilations. And we kill, we mutilate 40 million cows a year and we chop them into little pieces and we, we use every little piece of them. We, we, we have this idea of good and bad that we've uh, interpreted from the Christians. We have to go to a world where everything has a purpose. Everything is, is there for a reason. And that's what, like the idea that God created pain for a reason that, that life and death is part of the process. And that one of the other things that was given to me in a the second download that I got was the thing was if it's one life, yeah, that's one world with certain rules and regulations. But if it's multiple lives, 
then everything changes. So if you got abducted three lifetimes ago uh, and you, you get it in regression, are you going to be all sort of upset because you got it abducted three? You'll say, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I, that's pretty cool. Or three lifetimes from now, you're going to suddenly realize, oh, I was Martin Willis and I ran this UFO podcast and and I had these UFO experiences and stuff. You're going to you're gonna go, that's pretty cool. It's only when we're in the time and the place right now and we believe in ego, we believe in it's me uh, against the world and we want to play the victim. We, we don't want to do the, the oneness thing. We want to do the separation thing because if we do the separation thing, then we can blame the government and we can blame our mother-in-law. We can blame the dog that ate the homework and we're the victims. But if you are suddenly part of the system and 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 you're you're responsible for what you're doing and you can't play the victim, then things start to solve. But we, we've been brought up almost like Descartes said people get confused about this skeptical thing that Descartes brought up with the scientific method and what Descartes I say didn't say was be skeptical of new ideas he said you be skeptical of old ideas almost like Mark Twain says it's not the stuff that you don't know that hurts you it's the stuff that you believe that ain't so that hurts you and that's the mm -hmm. the idea that that Descartes says I have to get rid of everything I've learned he realized that that it's the stuff that we so we, we start off and we say, uh, the, the, the world is flat. Wrong. The sun goes around the earth. Wrong. The, we're at the center of the universe. Wrong. There's only one galaxy. People don't realize this. This was only 100 years ago. 1925, the big debate between Shapley and, and Hubble. And Shapley, the top authority on cosmology and astronomy, was fighting and saying there is only one galaxy. Andromeda is just a cloud inside the Milky Way galaxy. There is only one galaxy. And we just realized that this is wrong, this is wrong, or Max Planck's advisor, 1874. No use going into physics uh max we know everything we've discovered it all we've got it yeah. all figured out and that's a mistake yeah. we're making we think we got it all figured out and and that's where we get off 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 the off track and we start to believe this kind of stuff uh, and that's where i the uh, gary nolan describes the i think the best gary nolan says the idea that one one case is anecdotal two is evidence and then the other thing he says that's important, he says, I'm interested in the 5% that don't fall inside the bell curve. I ask students when they show me a, a paper or, or something, I say, hey, that thing outside, what, what's that all about? Why did that happen? And then they go, I don't know. And he said, that's where the Nobel Prizes come from. So if, if, if UFO anomalies were, if the physical world was, was the way people think it is, then there would be no UFO. There would be no physical anomalies. The, the fact that UFOs exist and paranormal stuff exists tends to indicate we've got something wrong. We've got it. There's a Nobel Prize there if you figure it out. But as long as we believe that we've got it all figured out and we and we stick to that that sort of thing, that's why the the UFO thing I say is the Super Bowl of all stories. That if you realize you're not, most people have lived lives of quiet desperation. They haven't got a clue what's going on. You and I actually know. We actually have some idea that, hey, something might be going on. We're inside the Super Bowl. We may be playing the water boy or the quarterback or whatever, but we're or watching it, but we're inside the stadium. We know this is going on, and we should be proud that we got to play this role because, you know, hundreds of years from now, we're going to be famous people because we played this role. And we have to realize, but we've, we've got to go and stay open-minded to realize that if the physical world were right, this stuff wouldn't be happening. It's just telling us there's an anomaly, and that means some of the pieces that you think are right, like the flat earth, sun going around the earth, whatever, everything's solid. Some of that stuff ain't going to be right. We, we have to be open enough to realize that, that this is and, and follow people who are, are I say, 
rather than the report, because the report's not going to tell you anything, this, this government report. They're not about to roll over and play dead. The, I still say you've got to go to the people who are engaging the phenomena. And that's, for example, what they did to Chris Bledsoe. He talked to, he had all these high-level government, military people around him. And he said to the one guy one time, he says, okay, I need to know, what do you have my property for? Like, well, what are you guys all doing here? Like, what's the deal? And the guy says to him, he says, well, Chris, it appears, uh, it appears uh, they're all around you, Chris. It appears they like you. They don't like us because they don't appear around us. We can't get them to make contact. So we're here to find out what they're telling you. And that's the whole deal. You you get these people and you wonder like, and that's what uh, what uh, Tyler D did. Tyler D was investigating Chris Bledsoe. He had a, an experience or he had two experiences. He introduced me to one of them as a girl that lived in Canada who she was writing all this stuff down for him. All her impression, her par paranormal stuff, all her visions that she was getting. And Tyler was writing all this stuff down. He had all these experiencers who were reporting all this stuff to him or when he went to the vatican he was interested in all the reports from the the people who are levitating because he figured that he could learn something as an engineer from people who are levitating by the reports as to how these guys levitated and all the stuff was in the vatican library that's what we've got to do is is open up to the fact that these people might have something to contribute and that when you start looking and i absolutely maintain when you start looking you start seeing these patterns especially the one where the craft is bigger on the inside and then this guy's in the spirit world and he's He's describing this building in the spirit world that's bigger. And I'm going, hey, I've heard this story. Before. And this is, you hear this over and over again with the with the UFO experiencers, these, these bizarre things that they tell you. And then you relate it and you find out it's happening in all sorts of other paranormal experiences as well. I remember Travis Walton saying that he stepped out of like uh, a craft or stepped out of something and it was huge inside. Yeah, then that that's the thing. And there's a lot of people reporting. I remember I, I was talking to the free people and I said to them, I, I think it was 14%, according to the free survey, people said they had flown the craft. And I said, uh, we should we should do another poll because what they would do is they would do a poll. For example, they did a poll on the 9% of people who said that the, the alien, they believed the alien was evil. And they went back to them and said, well, why do you think they were evil? So they would go back and do a second survey. And I said, we should go back and do a second survey on the, on the people who've flown the craft because uh, you can say whatever you want. Uh, when they start flying the craft, we should maybe start paying attention because that's what everybody's about. What's how does propulsion system work? And uh, then they said, well, lots of stuff happens inside the craft. They're reporting stuff inside the craft. I said, yeah, that's fine. If they describe there's no 45 degree angles and it's white and all this kind of stuff and there's the light doesn't come from anywhere, which I experienced. Uh, but but if they start flying the craft, I mean, don't you think we should talk to these people? At least talk to them. I mean, but nobody wants to do it. It's sort of like, you know, we're going to do the sighting stuff. And I say the sighting stuff will tell you that something's going on that probably isn't us. But how many times can you recount how many red ones there are and how many green ones there are and stuff? And what you start to see is that especially I was told, I don't know if you know the story about the the, the people that went to the, uh, the Institute, the uh, Monroe Institute. And one of them was a friend of mine. And he said he was shown a classified video, a government video of a UFO morphing on camera. And if that's true, get ready, because doesn't matter what the craft looks like. It can look like whatever it wants. It can change shape, do whatever it wants. And once you see that, then you got to realize that, that this this tracking of what the thing looks like is, is a total waste of time. When it when you get these people who are describing these these experiences, and you start seeing these very direct patterns, three hundred sixty degree uh, view, the idea that you become one with the craft, the craft is alive, and and uh, you, you you whatever you think is what the craft does. It's almost like people were were 
reading off the cue card. I had the guy who was the, the, my son's a pilot, my father's a pilot. So I was talking to the Orange County group, uh, MUFON group. And, and uh, we went to the dinner after the, the, you know, the restaurant and this guy came in, his name was David. And they said, hey, David, David, you should have been there. Grant was talking about flying the craft. Tell him about your story. And I look at this guy and I said, did you fly the craft? He said, well, I think it was a dream. I said, yeah, everybody thinks it's a dream. Uh, and then they said, David, tell him what you do. And, and, then, and then I said, what do you, what do you do? He says, I'm a pilot. I said, oh, my son's a pilot. My father's a pilot. What kind of planes did you fly? And he starts going this, that. And he says, F-16s. I said, you flew F-16s? And he said, yeah, I was a re I'm retired, retired. I flew a combat in Iraq. I'm a retired U.S. Air Force colonel. And I said, sit down and tell me your dream. And then it was like, just like reading off a cue card. I come, and here's an interesting one that you may not have heard about. They come out, they, they find themselves on the craft. Very rarely are they led onto the craft. They just suddenly find themselves on the craft and there's somebody behind them. So this U.S. Air Force Colonel says, there's two, he says, there's people behind me. He says, I don't know if they're aliens or whether they're human beings. And I'm standing in the middle of this craft and they say, okay, go ahead and do it. And then I say, and I heard this so many times as well. The person says, I don't know what to do. And then the voice behind them says, you know what to do. Just do it. And so he looks over at this panel and he puts his hands on the panel and he says, holy cow. He says, suddenly he's flying the, he's flying the craft and he takes his hand off and, and he's waiting for the thing to stall. He's going to put his hand back down and then, then it doesn't stall. And then he takes his other hand, but he's only that far above. So he can put it down. And then he says, I got both my hands off. And he says, I'm flying the craft. So you have this thing of these people behind that, that people keep describing. There's somebody behind them that's talking. So then I hear Jim Semivan. Jim Semivan's giving an interview. Uh, uh, James Ian Dolly's interviewing him. So he's trying to get him to talk about his experience, which I've heard. And he doesn't want to talk about his experience. And then, so James says, hey, did you have any telepathy while you were on board? And everybody talks, it's all telepathy. So he says, yeah, in fact, he says, I remember standing with my wife. I'm standing with my wife and there's this entity behind me and it had this guardian kind of thing going on. And as soon as he said that, I went, hey, that's Michael Newton. That's Michael Newton. And, and that's when I realized what these people were talking about inside the craft, that Michael Newton tells the story that when you die, you go in front of this council between three and 12 people and you stand there and the spirit, your spirit guide stands behind you on the left-hand side. So when I hear Jim Semivan say, there was this entity standing behind me and it had this, this guardian thing type type of thing going on. I went, holy cow. So I said to James, I said, ask him what side, the, what side this being was standing on. He, so you see, start seeing these patterns. People describe this. And if I were to go back, I could re-ask all these questions, but I, I now the story is contaminated. So, you know, there's all, I've got six, six new witnesses, but now the story is sort of, everybody knows about flying the craft, so you can't really use it anymore. But I would go back and ask these questions. Did you have 360 degree vision? I asked the one guy and he said, yeah, both vertical and horizontal. And that makes no sense whatsoever. Or the first woman that told mm -hmm. me it, I was doing consciousness uh, at the uh, World UFO Conference in Phoenix there. And the, the, they set me up with this woman. I didn't know why they wanted me to set me up with this woman. She was in her 70s. And I remember she, they, she said, what did, what did Stacy tell you about me? And I said, I don't know. I'm just supposed to talk to you. And so she comes in, she says, I was remote viewing and I, you know, I'm psychic and I was abducted and I'm, you hear all this stuff and it's, hey, whatever, whatever she's going on. And then she says, oh, and I was flying to craft last night. And I go, you were what? All I could think about was Saudi Arabian women. They couldn't drive a car without a, a, a man in the car. And I go, you were what? She's, I was flying to craft. I said, you were, because she's like in her seventies and she's a woman. I go, you were flying to craft. Yeah, I was flying the craft. I phoned three different models. And I was so frustrated. I was either going to throw her out of the room, but then I figured, like, okay, 
Uh, so how do you fly a craft? He says, oh, you do it with your mind. And as soon as she said that, I realized why they'd set me up. And everybody's the same thing. Like, how do you fly a craft? The people would say, I've flown the craft. And then I would say, so how do you fly a craft? And they'd say, oh, you do it with your mind. And the same thing. You The, the chances that you're going to have 36 people, nobody ever said anything different. They all said the same thing. You fly it with your mind. So what's the chances that 36 random people would come to me? It's more than 36, probably 46 now, that would come to me and say, I've flown the craft and all tells the same story. There's something there. And that's that's where I think we've got to go. And we've got to take, start taking these people seriously. And we can start to learn stuff from this. Like what's actually going on when uh, when when people are describing this 360 degree vision, because there's there's people who do blindfold. I won't get into that blindfold seeing. If you've ever seen that, they hold the stuff behind their head and they sit on it and they put it in front of them and stuff. And they got the blindfold on and these people can read it. And I never realized that until I heard this story about the the fact that you could see it in 360 degrees. I'm going, hey, that's like blindfold reading. That's the same thing. And it's it's like what Ray Hernandez was told. It's all the same thing. You guys have to quit parsing it. It's all this consciousness stuff that is creating these these paranormal things and if we follow it i think you're going to find those are only some of the patterns but i've got so many patterns that when you start taking these people seriously you start realizing these patterns and then you can actually uh sort of vet these people because you know exactly what what they're going to say that if someone would make up a story i could pick it off because there's certain things almost like bud hopkins used to do there's certain parts of the story that i don't tell because then i could check the person whether they're actually telling the same story as everybody else that's right. Hey, Grant, I can't believe how fast this went. It's unbelievable. And I've, I've been having some internet issues. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed it, but anyway, uh, it seems like that's happening a lot here while I'm doing my show. And anyway, uh, Hopefully I want to you thank you something. so much. This was uh, fascinating, really fascinating. Thank you. And yeah, yeah uh, I do have an interest in the conscious, consciousness part of it. Really, uh, you know, it's another a big puzzle. And but thanks again. I really appreciate Beautiful. it. Beautiful. Thank you. Mark. All right. And uh, where can someone find your books on Amazon? Uh, right. Amazon. Yeah. And um, other than that, my my Facebook is where I Facebook is presidential UFO Facebook. That's where I usually post the latest developments. And we've got a number of new developments I haven't talked about tonight, but we've got we're working on some new uh, thing for UFO photographs that when I saw it, I said to the guy, patent this as fast as you can these wow. are these young gun guys that are uh there's one guy out of uh, wisconsin and one guy out of chicago and they are on to something that i think is revolutionary in terms of ufo photographs unbelievable wow interesting all right grant thanks okay. again talk to you later all right so next week we'll be back with rob uh swivak uh, i don't know exactly how to pronounce his name uh Switek. and uh He's a UFO researcher, long time one. And thank you all, everyone. And remember to keep your eyes to the